I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, welcome back. This is part two of my stomp with Scarlet Moffat in Regent's Park. Make sure to listen to part one before carrying on with this episode. So Scarlett, I've, I've met you several times. I've, we've done stuff together from yes. filming on Education for Lorraine Show, which I, I was honestly so glad that, that you did. Aww. It was so powerful because we were talking that Thank time you. about things like bullying and the experience of like going through school and not always finding it the best of times. Yes. A lot of people, I found that, a lot of people find that school isn't always the happy, safe space that it, it should be. And the thing that's always struck me whenever I've met you is that you really are the person that you see on screen and that's not actually that common necessarily I'm not (laughs) knocking people on screen but we all present a certain version of ourselves because you're in camera right in some ways but you are one of the most genuine people that kind of you really are what you see and it's a a pleasure to have worked with you and know you well same for you uh, thank you but I'd I'd love to talk to you a little bit more about why you're doing the things you're doing now because you're ambassador for Samaritans you're doing a documentary um, around Tourette's at the moment and you're being really open about things that are difficult topics at times. Yeah. Why do you feel so such a sense of responsibility to do what you're doing? I What's think, driving you? Like whenever I've had dark times and I think back to sort of like getting bullied or listen to the kids oh, cheering. Know, That's so cute. It's nice, isn't it? There's a nice. Uh, it, it's, it's some of the sounds that we, we're hearing. Actually, we're trying oh. to. For anyone listening, we, we're trying to include so much of the stomp because it shows you some of the things you can hear. We just both smiled hearing them shouting yeah, and cheering. Yeah, it's so, so cute. We're trying to keep as many. Oh, it's only aeroplane sounds we get rid of. Yeah. that's too annoying. <laughs> so yeah, I think. For me, like the hardest part was the loneliness, was feeling lonely. And I think part of that came from feeling like no one else understood us or no one else was feeling the feelings that I I was having. So if I can openly talk about it and make people who are going through the same things realise they're not alone and that, you know, they can get through to the other side, even if you do feel like, you know, you're stuck down a well and you can see the light, but you don't know how to get out of it. I hope that I can show people that you can get out there. Yes, it's a process, but you know, like it won't be forever. Yeah. You won't be stuck down there forever. And I just think the more conversations we have about it then. The better. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the documentary. Um, it, it'll be coming out around the time this, this episode comes out because I have ticks. I've had them since I was young. And it might surprise you because yeah, I actually I've actually, did not know that. Alex. I, uh, I have some minor base around like forehead, eyes, nose, and I just basically like have the twitches. So people who are listening, a tick is kind of an involuntary movement or a movement that happens repetitively that you can't really control. Yeah. And for me, it's happened probably started in my teen years. But I think a lot of people don't realise that it's it's actually a lot more common oh, than people realise. And yeah. people attribute Tourette's as being just the just the kind of saying, swearing, or like yeah, this kind of like stereotype of it, but actually there's less than 10% of people actually have that verbal side, isn't that right? It's mostly yeah. movements or sounds and things. And yeah, and I got mine when I was around 11. Um, mine were sort of 
uh, involuntary facial tics, like breathing really heavily, twitches. And then I learned actually during the documentary that I was suppressing them during school because I also had Bell's palsy. So, you know, I was a target for bullies. So I tried to like not stand out. You know, I tried to sort of blend in. So when the ticks started happening, I would suppress them during school time. So then as soon as I got home, it was as if I was holding in loads of hiccups yeah. and they would all just come out yeah. at once. And I'd just feel exhausted by the end of the day, really. Well, my, I don't know about you, but one part of the reason is not just what people think looking at ticks, but my face hurts if it's really bad. Yeah. So when I'm stressed, it does it so much like, my face because of the muscles. It's like it's asking you know, to move your biceps all the time. Yeah. By the end, you're going to be your face can be sore, and it's it's so un uncomfortable that I, I I kind of yeah suppressed and probably had it worse when I was on my own. Cause yeah, you're trying to hide it, aren't you? And it's it's sad really because it is part of who I am. It is what it is. And you know what? That's what I loved about doing the documentary is that some of the young girls that I met, they were so unapologetically themselves. Yeah. And you know they actually had like social media accounts where they would just be themselves yeah. and they would tick freely yeah. and and they've almost sort of created a, a a community you know like a little community amongst themselves so i think that helps them feel less stressed and they actually tick less because they're around other people that yeah. you know understand well that's it the and... irony is the more that you worry about it the worse they've yes. got and i understand that you used to try and find ways to stop you yeah like i remember i used to stand in front of the mirror and like I used to literally just scream, like yeah. scream at my own face, like, you know, trying to make it straight from the Bell's palsy and trying to make myself not tick. And it was scary, you know, it was scary being like 11, 12 and not having full control over your mm. body. Cause you're like, well, I don't understand why this is happening yeah. to us. And um, yeah, and like, that's why I want to make the documentary because when I read that, you know, since lockdown, the cases of sudden onset ticks was rising so dramatically. It almost felt like a mini pandemic in itself. So I wanted to raise awareness of it and also so that people didn't feel like alone, so that yeah. the people who were suffering with it were like, oh, it's not just me. And then by doing that, hopefully they feel less stress and anxious. And actually, funny enough, it will help their ticks more anyway. Yeah, which... That's why I, I, I kind of, I like talking about these things as well, because also, you know, a tick is something people can see. It is, it is something you can really, like, I can see that happening. And it, it creates that good example of, like, brain and body being connected, yeah. mind and body, right? And I always try and tie back to that and go, well, look, another evidence that the mind and the body is so, so connected. And, you know, it's something that happens that we can't control. It's kind of, in some ways, mental illness. So yeah. We can't control all aspects of that. It's part of who we are, our makeup, and it's more about managing things around that to try and help it, isn't it? Let's talk a little bit about um, Bell's palsy, um, yeah. because people might might have heard of it, might not have heard of it, they're listening. What, do you want to talk a little bit about it? Like, what did you experience? Yeah, so it's sort of, uh, it looks like paralysis of the face. So it's normally sort of when people have a stroke mm -hmm. um, and they can't move one side of the face, like mine, um, I had to have speech therapy and like take steroids and things for it. I, my face still isn't symmetrical, you know, it's, and when I'm very stressed and anxious, uh, I can't even like close my eye mm -hmm. probably. I have to sleep with like a face mask on. Mm -hmm. So it is something that still affects us now, but I actually think being on TV's helped me in a way because I'm forced to look at myself. Mm -hmm. So 
I don't really care now. I'm like, yeah, it. that's what I look like. Like, yes, my eyebrows aren't symmetrical, but you yeah. know, still cute. <laughs> so you, you're definitely cute. <laughs> you I know, mean, I'm trying to be a bit more positive and kind well, about myself. Absolutely, you, you should be. And, and, and can I tell you something as well? No one's face is symmetrical. Yeah. So you're no different to anyone else. Yeah. No one's face is symmetrical. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about Bell's palsy then. So people often like attribute like facial droops or weakness as, as strokes, and yeah. that's where part of the brain, um, for various reasons, essentially isn't able to control the movements and so on. So it could be. Uh, where there's been like a blood supply or a bleed in the brain yeah. and that basically kills some brain tissue and it's permanent. Bell's palsy is, a fa is an effect on the facial nerve which is the seventh cranial nerve for any med students that are listening and, and, and wanting <laughs> to, to prep or practice for exams. The facial nerve controls uh, the face including the forehead. Now in Bell's palsy sometimes it's caused by a virus, sometimes there's other reasons it happens but basically there's a lack of kind of control of those muscles so they yeah. kind of droop uh, and the treatment's often steroids were you on steroids yeah i was on steroids i had to do a little bit of speech therapy as yeah. well um after it happened but yeah it, honestly it was really hard like mine came about like again they don't know why but i was going through like a lot of stress at that moment like all in the space of sort of about six or eight months like my dad got diagnosed with skin cancer. I smashed my front teeth. I was in like a bike car accident uh, and then got Bell's palsy. Then the ticks started. So it was, it was a stressful, a stressful old time, to be honest with you. And I think maybe that's where my anxiety comes from. You know, I think looking back now and the more that I'm open about my mental health, especially with my parents, like we've had conversations where I've probably have been anxious since that time yeah. but I didn't really no one really spoke about it in the early noughties mm. you know well I think again and I just want to hammer home that point that you know mental health affects the whole body yeah. stress the impact of stress can be your gut it causes people sometimes giving ulcers from you know acid disease in, yeah. in, the, in the stomach so for the stress causing that it can affect your skin it can affect your sleep it can affect your heart increased risk of things like stroke and so on and of course nerve things as well and yeah. there's links between that and things like Bell's palsy there's certainly links between that and and, and ticks and again it's so important that's where you say you know mental health is a real tangible thing it can affect you in very real physical ways and anxiety is a good example you know we're anxious adrenal glands churning out adrenaline and it's making our body react as if we're fighting a lion right yeah so we feel real things because it's real and, and i think it's important that we say that yeah and i think that's why it's so important for doing things like going for a stomp doing things that you love like because you know, it's awful when your symptoms of anxiety and stress get to the point where, like, you're having physical symptoms, you know. So, like, things like this can, like, do genuinely help. You wouldn't think just by saying, go for a walk. Move, move your body. Move do, about. Because like, it's almost that pressure cooker effect. If you allow a pressure cooker to build up that pressure and pressure and pressure, it's going to blow eventually. Whereas if you can kind of let that tap off every now and then by the little things, whether that's walking, whether that's exercise, whether that's talking to people, whether it's listening to music, whether it's meditation, whatever it is, to let that pressure out, it stops things breaking, doesn't it? Yeah, it really You've does. You've got to let the pressure off every now and then. When the pressure builds, recognise it 
and react to it. Now it's important to say, because we've talked a little bit there about strokes and uh, also Bell's palsy and also ticks, we're going to leave in the show notes information below. And the important thing I would say, if you ever have paralysis or weakness of your face, changes in your speech, anything that's abnormal like that with your, your kind of function of your limbs or your face, go and see the doctor straight away. Don't wait and just think, right, we'll leave that be, please. You know, got to act for, especially for strokes, you can act really fast. And even for Bell's palsy, it's great if you can get on top of it within 72 hours. That's when we usually start the steroids very quickly and it can help quite a lot. So just as a note for people listening. What a lovely day to do it. It is a nice day. We are lucky. Imagine it's raining. We haven't actually had a raining stomp yet, have we? But we are going... If it rains... That'll be fun, though. As long as people are happy. The thing is, right, I knew that you'd be up for it. If it was raining, done a rainy one, Scarlett yeah. would have been like, I'm on for a rainy yeah, day. Yeah, I did so a rainy Hopefully one. any future stompers will be up for walking in the rain. Because <laughs> I think it's lovely. Again, when we talk about the feel then, you'll be able to feel the rain Yeah, I love skin. a bit of a rainy walk. Now, we're going to chat a little bit, Scarlett, about the documentary. And I want to talk a little bit about how you found, found making it. Because I know when I made the documentary around mental health and youth mental health, it was, and I think I spoke to you about this, it was almost like, it was some ways it was self-harm. Because yeah. you're doing something because you're trying to help and do something to shine light on something that's really important. But the process of doing it is actually quite painful. Yeah. How did you find it? Do you know what, Alex? No one's actually... Like, I feel like you're the perfect person to talk to because no one's actually asked me that, you know? Really? No one's actually asked me, like, how it was doing it because I'm bringing up old stuff. Yeah, maybe and it's because it, of what I... Yeah, of my and, own I, thing, and I, I don't know. And it was hard, you know? Yeah. It was actually really hard, I think, when you open yourself up like that, not even thinking, oh, people are going to see it. It's more just reliving those memories because, you know, you do your best to try and put them to the back of your mind, really. But I'm just really like proud that I've done it. And, and I think as well, like it was even hard doing the documentary because I'm a people person. And I think because I was bullied, like I never liked to make anyone else feel sad or upset. And so doing a documentary, you have to ask quite difficult questions. Yeah. And you know and you're I, bringing up hard things. Yeah, and I found that really difficult. And that's one of the things that like I learned in the process that it was like, it was hard to do because I'd built a rapport with these people and... You know, I was classing them as, like, a friend, you know, someone I would go out for food with, and then all of a sudden I was asking them questions like, do you think your daughter fakes ticks ever to, you know, and, like, what's hard? But I think I've understood that you have to ask difficult questions in order to help people. You know, that's just life, unfortunately. Sometimes you've got to relive those hard memories in order to help other people, and, I, and I'd like to think that it was worth the sacrifice of a couple of cry nights. <laughs> did you find in some ways that even though some of it was painful to go through, did you find, because I guess a lot of the theories on therapy is that kind of unpacking and trying to kind of, you know, make things even a little bit neater in your mind, if, yeah. even if you can't fix them or make them really smooth and tidy. Did you find that that process helped? Do you kind of look back and go, I feel more comfortable with it now or is it the same? Yeah, I feel like it's sort of at rest now. You know, I feel like I've openly spoke about it. I'm not trying to hide anything anymore. And I'm like, you know, that was part of my life. It's made us who I am now. And I'm at peace with that. You know, there was a few things that I wish as a kid, you know, like I wish we'd acted faster on some of the issues that I had. But, you know, like I say, it was a different time then. And I, I understand that. And, it, you know, I, I had conversations with a lot of my family about sort of my childhood and stuff and about getting bullied at school. And, uh, yeah, I feel like I've, like, forgiven a lot of what happened, you know. I feel like I'm 99.9% .9 there, especially with the kids that bullied us. I think 
yeah, I'm a bit like, okay. It is what it is now. It is I think what, that yeah. forgiveness is important because forgiving other people isn't necessarily about relieving them of their burden. It's about relieving yourself yes. as well. Because anger towards people, and, you know, I spoke this before, you know, I was bullied at school and whatever. Like, it, it, if you're just angry at those people or, you know, if someone wrongs you in life and you carry that anger, anytime you're thinking about them and angry about them, it's harming you. It's not affecting yeah. them. And that's really unfair because then almost you've, double suffered because you've yeah. suffered what they've done to you and then because you're angry about it you're suffering it's kind of how, why anxiety is so cruel yeah because if you're worried about a bad thing happening if you worry about it happening you really suffer it and then it happens you've suffered twice yes and if it doesn't happen you've suffered for no reason yeah you're right. it's great it's crazy isn't and it? i think like i always sort of say this quote but like my dad always used to say bullies are like sandpaper the more they wear you down the more polished you become Love it. Love and it. i really really believe that and i just feel like it's it's true, like I don't think I would be doing the job that I'm doing now if it wasn't for getting bullied and and I think, yeah, forgiving them. Like I accept that they did that and I'm a better person for it because I know I never want to make anyone else ever feel that way. So I think I'm a nicer person, really. One of the things I think is really important about the documentary is that you are actually tackling something that is extremely stigmatised. Let's be completely honest, people really judge you for it. It is something I hope that people then will go, do you know what, if my child's going through this or if I'm going through it, shouldn't be so, so ashamed. Yeah. And I'd just be interested to hear from you as someone that's been through, say, having Bell's palsy and had, had the tick and stuff. How, what would you say to people who are around someone in their life with that, whether it's your friend, whether it's you know, a family member, whether it's your child, what are the things that you think would have been better if people had done, behaved differently with you? I accepted that it was happening. I think, like, sometimes... Uh especially when people are kids, they think, oh, well, let's just pretend it's not happening and maybe then they'll not think about it. But it just almost makes you feel like no one else understands that you're feeling sad or you're feeling a little bit scared or nervous of, you know, why is my face doing this? Like, or why am I feeling this way? No one's even acknowledging that it's happening. So I think I would just say like, ask if how people are feeling like say like how are you feeling today like is it affecting you is there anything we can do tell tell people that the beautiful you know tell yeah. you know like be just, kind be kind yeah people. just be kind but at that point around um recognizing is important because people often just try and ignore it and if you say like okay like i can see that this is happening how is that affecting you obviously in the right way in the right setting but like how how is this affecting you? How can I help? We don't always have to have the answers all the time. We'll no. know everything. Just being there for someone to say, you know, I don't know all the answers, but let's work it out together. Yeah. Rather than that person feeling... That would be perfect. Feeling just completely alone. Just acknowledging that it's actually happening, saying, like, this is really rubbish that it's happened. Yeah. You know, like, how are you feeling? Or... I mean, very famously, Justin Bieber, of course, had um, yeah. slightly different, but he, he had a he had his own a palsy for, to do the trigeminal nerve. I think that, that his one was about. But it, in a way, it was really powerful because he said, "This is what's happening, guys. This is what it is," and it really made people stop a bit, actually, because yeah. it was a classic example of people going, "Oh, he's cancelled his tours or whatever. Let's just absolutely hammer him. Let's hate yeah. on him." And you go, "Well, actually, guys, this is what's happening." So don't judge so quickly as well. Like yes. you don't understand why this has happened to someone. And know, ask kind, questions. Ask I questions. Think, ask yeah, them about ask it. What's a question, happened? Yeah. Like, you know, if someone's broken the leg, you say, "Well, how would you break your leg?" Whatever. Like, obviously, I'm talking about people that you know and you're close with. That someone yes. wouldn't just go up in the street and say, "What's no, that?" No. But in the sense of like, don't just ignore it and pretend it's not happening. Yeah. Because you're just isolating that person, especially if you're close to them. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, and I and I do think things are getting. 
better. I think we are having more conversations, but one of the massive things that I noticed like doing the documentary is that rightly so during the pandemic, we concentrated on those who were vulnerable and the elderly. And, and I do think like, teenagers just sort of got left yeah, out. I, I think like we didn't really, we'd be like, yeah, they'll be fine. They're getting time off school. You know, they're doing a bit of homeschooling, like whatever, it'll be fine. But it, it, it genuinely like really affected them. Yeah. So I'm hoping that if anything comes from the documentary as well, people will start a conversation with teenagers just saying like, actually, how are you? I What's think that's on? such a powerful thing, just asking how someone is. Because sometimes we need an open invitation to rant. Yeah, yeah for <laughs> sometimes sure. Sometimes you don't just want to go, just like, I'm feeling on? rubbish today. Yeah, like, I'm missing life. Yeah. This and this and this. <laughs> Before we move on to your toolkit for, for life, I just want to say a little bit about Tourette's. I think it's important to say just that we kind of clarify a few things. So I mentioned it earlier, but Tourette's is a syndrome essentially where people either have involuntary uh, movements or sounds or they say things they don't intend to say. I think people yeah. focus on the kind of swearing and the kind of classic kind of or what's seen as a stereotypical Tourette's, yes. but we know that actually less than 10% of people experience that. A huge amount, it could be sounds, it could be movements, facial involuntary movements and so on. So if you're listening to this thinking, oh, maybe I have that, even subtly, or you know, young, your child has that potentially, then you know, go and see a GP, because there are systems in place to support yeah. you, there are therapy, there is advice, don't just ignore it, basically. Yes, yeah. Thank you for listening to part two of this episode of Scarlet. If you're not finished stomping yet, make sure to go and listen to the final part now or come back tomorrow and catch up on the rest of this episode. See you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.